Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. Welcome back to The Beauty of Video Games, Volume 5, Feeling Villainous. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed Part 1 with my good friend, Benji. But we are doing Part 2 with the one and the only, my personal, like, exclusive podcaster, Mr. Eric M. Hunter. That's me. Hi. What's up? How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm ex- very excited to be here. Once again, thank you for coming on. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, everybody who don't know, Eric M. Hunter is a great podcaster, songwriter, Twitch streamer, Discord player. He he has a lot of stuff in Project, and he has a certain newsletter coming out, if I think. Oh, yeah, that did that... Uh... It would have been last yesterday. Yesterday? What's yeah. today? Today's so, Monday. Yeah. Yes. That, so by the time you guys are hearing this episode, his newsletter is out. He's going to be promoting that, plugging that. For sure. So, yes, because uh, he's just amazing. Uh, he's kind of the reason why I called him my exclusive uh, podcaster because, like, he is so great at podcasting. I listen to every word that he says. I test him on a lot of stuff, and he has an answer. I always make him think outside the box. And sometimes I'll be like, I want to respond, but it's a question that I said to him, or I'm hitting him on Twitter. And it's just like, I can't respond back to him physically. But once again, thank you for coming on uh, the show. For sure, so, man. Yeah, I've always got something to say. Yes. So <laughs> now, because this is part two, um, you know, me and Benji did a breakdown about villains and like what we think about them, some of the games and films and everything. This episode, though, we're going to be talking about some of the en- enemy designs and levels in video games that really try to kill us, <laughs> really try to punish us. Levels that are just a villain in itself. <laughs> um, so, the reason why I, I want to talk about uh, levels. So, I was talking about uh, to Eric about one of the stages in Mega Man 2. And there's a portion of the game where you got to kind of like drop down without using uh, Flash Man's ability, which was when he flash, uh, freezes the stage. You have a time period of getting through these platforms, getting through this area. Um, when the uh, flash runs out, these um, beans come and get you. And Mega Man 2, in a way, is in, in a sense, that's just a small portion. But the whole game, in some of the other games in the Mega Man series, the levels are designed to crush you and punish you. Sometimes stuff comes out of nowhere that you didn't expect, and you yell and you scream, and sometimes you only get one checkpoint. And depending on how many screens that you go through, because you sometimes got to get through six to eight screens, it's really bonkers that you can't, like, really get through. And it's just like, ah! And sometimes you have to redo it over. And what people who have, like, the Dark Souls games and stuff like that of now don't recognize the stuff that we had in the NES days and Sega Master and sometimes even the Atari days in arcade where games and their levels crushed you. So I kind of want to start with you, Eric. Um, what do you think of level design that's just evil, just or enemy designs that you see and you like encounter or witness? It's just like, man, 
you are a wicked boss. I hate you, but I love the fact that you are kicking my tail. So it's kind of weird because it falls into a bunch of different categories. Uh, so when you mentioned that Flashman stage in Mega Man 2, like that's it's perceived that the game designers were showing you like there is a there's a order to these bosses that you're supposed to fight them in and that you're supposed to use their abilities throughout the rest of the game. Yes. Um, now, when I played that game as a kid, I just assumed I wasn't doing it right. I had never thought like, oh, I have to use this ability to stop these beams from killing me. I just thought I wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? Like, I never caught that when I was younger, but I was a dumb kid back then. Kind of a dumb adult. Um, but then the other times that anytime you see, like, um, people make lists or talk about certain games that are, like, Nintendo hard games. Like, that was always a term that went around, you know, the schoolyard when I was a kid. Nintendo hard. All oh, this game's Nintendo hard. Um, and looking back on that now... Nintendo hard kind of meant a couple of things. It was either just the game was poorly designed, mm-hmm. um, something like Mylon's Castle, or it was an arcade game that was popular uh, that got ported to a console and they couldn't figure out a way to allow people to sit down and play it consistently without pumping quarters in, you know, because in, in an arcade game, it's all about the money. How do I get you to spend as much money in a short amount of time? You make the game really hard. But when that gets ported over to a console, a lot of the time, none of that stuff gets changed. It's just the same game, and you're still dealing with that difficulty. So, like, Ghosts and Goblins is a good example of that. Or, oh, my gosh, beat-em-ups. Any beat-em-up you play on a console that was originally an arcade game, Mm -hmm. like, those games are difficult, you know? Like, And it's because nobody ever changed it. Um, There was only a couple of games that I felt like at the beginning were created to be difficult. The first being... Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 for super players, the Japanese version, or what we later known as the Lost Levels. Like, yes. that game was created to be intentionally hard. Like, you had wind that moved your character back around. Uh, you had Luigi as a playable character that had different physics in terms of gravity. Uh, and when he jumped, there was evil mushrooms that could kill you. Yes. I mean, that game was out to get you. And I don't really think there was another game... That was designed from the beginning of being, hey, we're going to make this this game very difficult, very challenging for super players until maybe something like the Master Quest from Legend of Zelda. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now they're all over the place. I mean, you know, the indie game sphere is rifle for super difficult games. Kaizo Mario levels are huge on Mario Maker right now. Uh, You mentioned Dark Souls and the Souls games. I mean, like, there's an interesting relationship that you make with video games in general a lot of the time it's just kind of building on a nostalgia and you have childhood memories of it and other times it's a love hate relationship yeah it's the thing with the nintendo hard and i like that you brought it up is that because the games definitely were 50 dollars per game that you was getting people forget about that people forget that those games were 50 and 60 dollars yeah you had to try to get your money's worth out of it and so of course, people will be looking for cheats and everything to get through it. But it was always the challenge of if you was able to play a Nintendo hard game all the way through. And if you did it by yourself, whether the game was good or bad, if you didn't use no cheats, you were able to do it. Of it. And you mentioned like arcade games coming to... Um, to console, definitely to Nintendo, even some of the Sega Master ports. 
that you didn't have that equal of put another token in. You had all those continu- continues or infinite right. continues. And even like if you even if you look at Ninja uh Gaiden or Ninja Gaiden, depending on how you want to say it, Ninja Gaiden in arcade was very different than the NES. Because it was a scrolling beat 'em up. Now that that game is out on PlayStation and it's Switch, and I think it's on Xbox One. Now that the arcade version is out, people will get a feel of how difficult that game is, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be you know able to put on a Nintendo game. That's why you get like this Castlevania for some people who want to say that. I think it's faster than Castlevania. You would get this two D kind of platform action game. But yet, it was still hard to get through. Oh, absolutely. And again, like I think a lot of that was due to just poor programming. Um, Nintendo had a lot of issues with uh, sprites consistently spawning if you move the screen and the camera back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the The angry video game nerd uh, episode of that of Ninja Gaiden was like showing off that exact flaw in the game is that it was like one of the last stages and it was just that stupid flying bird. It's like every time he'd move one pixel left and right, yeah. the bird would come right back again. Like every time, like that's just, I mean, granted you're, you're confined to these constraints that the, the NES could allow, but I mean, that's still just bad programming. That is, that is true. I just, I never understood why I just never understood why a level couldn't be designed in a fair way to give you a chance to make it through why it had to be difficult. Like you already got enough enemies that you got to fight. We mentioned the bird in and how everybody hates the ego in Ninja Gaiden 2. Even the first one where it's, it's affecting your jump. And even like (laughs) Mega Man is evil with his jumps. Like if you get hit with an enemy, the flash, the hit back, you you get hit and you can be let into a pit and even respawn enemies like they just did they wanted you to spend time with this game but you know you didn't have stay uh save slates you had password codes um if it didn't have a password code you had two continues or three um if your continue continues was gone that's it for the game Right, yeah. Well, you got to think too. The time when a lot of these games started coming out, like rentals, rentals were a big mm-hmm. thing. We talked yeah. about this in my stream, where these game companies didn't want their game to be beat overnight. You know, because you know Friday night would come in, you'd roll to the video store with your parents, you'd buy, you'd rent a game, and that was the thing that you were playing for that week. You yes. know, and if you beat it in a few hours, then you felt like you got cheated, and you may build some sort of stigma to that developer or that publisher. So a lot of the time, it looks like those games that came out during that era, that, you know, 90s to, you know, early 90s to late 90s, like they were built, they were making these games for rental only. They were making these games, like the ones that really stick out in my mind are, um, and I just forgot it, that's awesome, um, where the game would be designed where like the first two levels were easy or it felt like it was, it was kind of like a cakewalk. And you yeah. can kind of maybe think that that was like the tutorial levels, but then it just amps the difficulty up. Um, or games that just don't make any sense, like Ghostbusters. You play Ghostbusters for NES. I mean, on the surface, if you have no manual or no insight of how that game 
uh, works. It's nonsense. Like it doesn't explain anything to you. It, the Sega Master System is the same thing. It don't explain. It's just like you gotta look at this color. You gotta see these ghosts. You gotta move around and you got all this right. driving. You got and it's just like this is supposed to be a game that I'm just want to collect ghosts and move on. But I gotta do so much to even get to the part of the end game. And it's not even like that. a good game to actually describe what you're talking about is Punch Out. Mike Tyson's Punch Out or the regular Punch Out. Yes. How you yep. start off easy, and when you get too close to the last fourth round, you get a challenge. The more you progress, the game the game gets harder. And yep. you have to work on it. And you gotta of course you gotta look at the patterns and some of the things that they're gonna be doing. You gotta be on the lookout. But there's stuff in there just like you cannot get through this because if they hit you two times, you're dead. Where you're hearing hitting them multiple times, and the star that you just got, if you try to use it, it might not. You might miss it, or it might not even take off that much energy. Exactly, and you know, sure, they give you um, passwords so that you can start the circuits over. Yes. But like, let's say you you lose out at the very last bout before the circuits over, you have to go all the way back and play through that circuit again. Yes. I mean, that's. By design, they designed it that way very specifically, so you couldn't just go right back to Tyson and hit Tyson again. So, yeah, games like that, like, so Metroid is one of them. And it's designed that you know nothing. You don't get no map. You don't know where the powers are at. You don't even know what they do. You don't even know what boss that you're going to be fighting on how much it's going to take off. You just explore mm -hmm. a world. But if you die in that game, you get that password. But like Metroid for me, I couldn't get into the first Metroid because it didn't explain anything to me. I didn't know nothing. And so nope. I'm losing energy and getting my tail kick. And yeah, I could go back now and play it because now I understand the mechanics. But as a kid, you don't understand the mechanics. And those mechanics right. with a level of design that's, that's going to tear you apart, you'd be like, why? Like, Another good one, Double Dragon 3. Oh, man. If Ugh. you played the arcade version, that is a money cruncher for tokens. Yeah. You had to yep. pay to get life back. To get an extra man, you had to pay a token. And you went to a shop at the beginning of the game. And like, everybody out there, someone said uh, that, that was the first microtransaction of video games. Oh, easy. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm like, isn't that arcade games in general? Like, oh, have no, you not right. played pinball or anything? But when you brought that game to, uh, when you brought Double Dragon to, um, to the Nintendo, I don't think it was two player for Double Dragon Three. I think it was just still one player. Uh, it may have no, been. it was so it was two players. Double Dragon Three was for the NES, mm -hmm. but um, you still only had the one life basically. Yeah. And then when you died, if you didn't unlock any of the other characters throughout the game, that was, it was just game over. Yeah. You literally only complete that game with a game gene. Yep. You know, it's terrible. Yeah. So it, and a lot of people, a lot of people who don't respect love design that they have now, people literally do not understand the stuff that we got back in the day would kill us. You know, yep. we could talk about Mario Brothers and their levels and the music and stuff, but I'm just like, 
there were other games in a Mario platform style but that would beat your tail. A lot of people, th- this is how bad it is. Go watch the React version of people playing Mega Man 1 on the NES. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. And you will see the anchor that they got, but I'm just like, that was a normal thing to us. <laughs> right, so, I mean, we had a lot of things. I mean, you would think people would still have today, but, like, a lot of people forget about the instruction manual. Like yes. the, a lot of those instruction manuals were so jam-packed full of information. Like they gave you tips. It explained enemy fights. I still remember – it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, somebody figured out that there was a player two mode in Duck Hunt. and You could control the ducks kind of with the control pad in player two. Yeah. It's, it's in the manual. It's in the game manual that came out in 84. Like it says, if you plug in player two, you can control the ducks. Like so – they forget about that stuff, and they also forget that, I mean, these games were released where there was no documentation. There was no videos. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, it was literally just guys in an office just, like, shooting the shit and trying to figure out ideas of things to do. You know, they didn't have the internet to go to to get ideas for. They just had other games that were out and hoped that they had a good idea. And the problem is, is a lot of these games, um, especially ones that are from... Um, I don't want to say lesser developers, but less fortunate, I guess, developers. Um, I feel like they didn't do their homework. So, for instance, you take a game like Bubsy. Bubsy was trying to be so many different things. It was trying to be Sonic. It was trying to be Mario. It was trying to be that next big IP yes. and all that stuff. But they forgot about the basics of just creating a decent platformer. Like yes. the hit detection is terrible, like all this stuff. And sure, you always run into issues where you'll read about stuff like developers ran out of time, they ran out of money, and blah, 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 and that's fine. But a lot of that stuff is so few and far between. It was just somebody said this game is good. Let's press it. Yeah, it's, and it's just I think a lot of people, when it comes to, even if you look at Super Mario Maker and Mario Maker 2, that people are designing these levels to crush other players, you know, those kind of level designs that people want to be kind of villainous in a in a sense, in a sense, or be evil and stuff, are to crush you. They don't design levels to test your abilities or how good of a player is. They literally want to crush you and make you feel bad that you don't got the skills to finish their level. So they'll put random stuff on and not think that you know not everybody has the skill to play a Mario game. You know, some people still struggle with with the Nintendo games that Nintendo create and, and design. So, like, level, des- level, de- in- level design that is hard, you know, it takes time that people are playtesting them and don't realize that during the olden days that you didn't have playtesters. And you pr- pretty much now probably still don't have playtesters to, yep. to play games. So why do you think they put out demos and betas and stuff to see what happens if you put the actual product out in real hands? What could break it or can people get through? Um, one of the hardest games still to this day to me um, is Strider for Capcom. I played Strider in the arcade and the Sega Genesis version, and I'm able mm-hmm. to get through. I'm trying to play Strider on the NES version. The hit detection sometimes be off. You get the ability to uh, to wall jump, and that doesn't work. 
So right. you get stuck in places and it don't explain. You get a power and it don't explain anything. And it's just like, I can't get through this game because the level, the way it's designed for this game is it's difficult for me to get get to because not everything works. You know? Oh, totally. I mean, it's getting all that stuff together and, you know, you're looking for that perfect storm. And a lot of the times it just doesn't happen, you know? Um, Especially when Nintendo took off and then Sega kind of fell in the sleep, uh, suit with the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had companies all over the place trying to get into the game industry just because it was what was hot. It's, hot. it's what was popping. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you get game... a lot of unexperienced okay. people with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, like one game that's just that's just difficult all around definitely is the Ninja Turtles, the first one. You yep. see how that game is designed, and then if you lose your best character, you screw. And Man, it- that game. So when I was a kid growing up, like the turtles were my jam. Like that yes. was. To this day, I still feel like if I had to s- surmise my childhood in a single cartoon, it's definitely going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I just, for whatever reason, the comics and the games and the cartoons and the movies and stuff, like I will. It will always hold a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that first game was so foreign to me that, like, nothing in the game made sense. Like, the only thing that was recognizable was the Turtles. Everything else just seemed so out of its element. Like, it came from a different game. Yes. And then just the iconic stages of that stupid uh, underwater swimming, trying to disarm the bombs. The damn level. Yeah, and then... Um, the the randomness of where the the technodrome was going to be uh for every time you played it it would change location uh and then yeah you mentioned like the all of the turtles were not created equal you know like donatella was clearly the favorite which worked for me because i was always a donatella fan so i was like oh of course i'm gonna pick him he's my favorite turtle you know here but then you know then you go and you play the game in the arcade and you're like well what is this is something completely different like this is this is not i'm not you know, worrying about platforms. I'm not um, trying to swim around to disarm these bombs. I'm just, I'm, I'm a turtle. Like I, I'm embodying a turtle, what turtles do, which is, you know, defeat the foot clan. Yes. And that first um, turtles game is just, there's just so many poor decisions in it, but I can't say it's a bad game because I've got a, you know, I've got rose tinted glasses on. It's, it's a bad game. It's, it's a terrible game. It's a it's a bad game, and like Konami didn't make it up until yeah, you got the NES uh, port of the arcade, but they really mm-hmm. didn't make the game up until you actually got Turtles in time for Super Nintendo. Yeah, like if you want if you want a perfect turtle game, that was it. Even if you play like Tournament Fighters on NES or Super Nintendo Sega Genesis, those games were good for what they were. But I'm just like the perfect turtle game was. Um, what's the uh, Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo? Because then yeah. it could, when Konami tried to make that 3D game, uh, or oh Ubi's, yeah, I forgot about that. Like that one was hard to play. People didn't like it. Um, the one by uh, Platinum Games didn't nobody really buy or play because they said yeah. that one was bad. And then you know you got some of the Nickelodeon ones, some of the 3DS ones, and it was just like. We just want a regular turtle game that is two D. Yeah, give that, me give me exactly what I what I want. 
Just give me exactly what I already have. Just make it shinier, make it prettier. Yeah, like it, like yep. they just didn't get it right. And I think like with Platinum, of course they are an action stylized company, but they don't make good licensed game. Transformers, yeah, they they make they they made that one good. But I'm like, look at the Korra game, look at the Ninja Turtle game. Like what they touch didn't turn out right. And I think because of this is just me. I don't know, I always said it because I feel like Nintendo didn't have their hand in helping them design anything. Those yeah. games didn't fall by the wayside, and Platinum ended up being looked upon as just like you guys. You you had it right with Bayonetta too, but you don't have a right with these games. Yep. No, I agree. And it's and it's weird because you just want some good level design. You can yeah. have level design that could crush you, that could that 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 could try you and stuff. But I'm just like, you need to give people a chance with that level and stuff. You, you gotta you, sometimes you got to build some fairness to it. Because if you don't, yeah. if you don't build no fairness fairness to it, people are gonna be like, I hate this game and I don't like it. Now we can appreciate some good level design that is crushing. Um, you know. I played of all of Super Mario The Lost Levels, and I could definitely appreciate it because it was just like I have played worse platform games, and this is a kindergarten game to me. <laughs> this right. is a sign of relief. Like, and I know I played Nintendo games, so all I have to do is study how what comes. I could die sometimes, but study what comes, overcome it, and be like, I made progress. Yes, I'm good to go. Plus, you got it on the Super Nintendo card that, that card that saves everything, so I'm good oh, to go. Oh, I know. Go. It's great. Those you updated know. graphics are really cool. Yes. So, yeah. and even now, we haven't mentioned adventure games, uh, which is kind of a out there kind of thing. Um, adventure games really don't have a level design. But sometimes your choices that you make will affect what you're going to be doing in the adventure games. Um, what are your thoughts or uh, about that? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's um, a lot of the time it falls just about the way the genre is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of have to stick in a certain template uh, to create like that sort of adventure game. Um, I don't know. Like I feel... Everybody kind of just uh, jumps on the back of everything else of whatever's popular, you know, and it takes the developers who were the ones who made it popular to change it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think when Telltale got into into some of the modern adventure games and they started adding quick time events and if you don't react to the quick time events, it may that storyline or that story part hard to get Good branch yeah yeah um and even like some of david cage's games like uh, all his games are quick time events and it's just like if you miss something it messes up the future of the rest of the game yeah um, and yep. it gets like kind of difficult you just like uh this this game mechanic is evil <laughs> it's it feels it, it feels super gimmicky yeah like it feels like it's designed to just be a gimmick it's not it was it's a one trick pony that they turned into a video game yeah um of course you got um what is the animated dungeon one uh dragon's lair all dragon lair yeah yep. uh, i think that whole game is just just evil <laughs> oh man that um that game 
what was the other one? Space Ace. That was the one that came yeah. after it. It's, I mean, it's a gimmick, right? I mean, it's those games ran on Laserdisc of all things, and it was like the first of its kind, never done it before. And it's like, oh, we can do you know full motion video and all this stuff. Look at what we can do. And then you put it on the back of this, these quick time event style games. It's like, yeah, it looks great. And I mean, you put your fifty cents in or your dollar or whatever it may be. I knew it was more. Um, and then if you miss that first dragon right when you're walking across the bridge, like that's your game. Yeah. Like that's it, man. You're done. Like there's no, you know, like that's, man, that's bullshit. Like that's bad. <laughs> that's just bad. Yeah. Um, another genre games that we kind of, another genre games that we love for a lot of people is roguelike games. Mm-hmm. So rogue games are designed to be where enemy design and level design are random. So you are it's meant for you to lose. You not, you're not meant to progress um until you learn what you need or you get the things that you need and then if you can progress and get closer to the end, you did everything in one run. Like you did one playthrough, you learned it you got it, you achieved your goal, and you're out. Roguelikes are kind of like, you know, we're going to throw everything at you. You're going to die. We'll let you keep some stuff, but you got to start at the beginning. And work yeah, way so it's kind of like a perfect storm. Like, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a study into creating a difficult game that mm-hmm. is both rewarding when you play through it, but also extremely difficult. Uh, and again, there's an interesting balance there. Um, the game's designed for you, like you said, to not really progress so far as it progressing through the game, but more or less progressing as your character goes. I am um, just actually picked up Slay the Spire, which is kind of like a card collecting roguelike game. I heard of that. How is it? It's really good. Um, it's if you're into card collecting games, mm-hmm. uh, you, you use cards for your, you know, to uh, you draw five at the beginning of your turn. You can you only have so much magic you can uh, play the card with and stuff like that. And as you progress through the spire, um, you buy cards, you collect cards, and you know as you go through. And then when you die, all of those cards are still in your deck, and you start to form your deck from there. Um, it's what's the way that the game is designed is there's a very fine balance that it takes of when. It feels like you're getting a bunch of junk cards. Um, the next time you go to the merchant, he'll allow you to throw a card away for a price. So there's always a way to – there's always a check and a balance between it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's some games like that are designed that way that don't have that. Um, for instance um, – oh, shoot. What was the name of the game? It was a side-scrolling you, – you were a knight. I'll have to look it up now. Um, but it was one of the first games, uh, Rogue Legacy. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Rogue Legacy has a weird hurdle that you have to get past. And the way that it changes is every time you go into the dungeon, the dungeon changes. So all the rooms are in different places and stuff like that. Um, but once you unlock the engineer, you can pay the engineer an X amount of gold, and he will lock the dungeon down so that you could actually progress through it. I have never seen anything like that in a roguelike before that basically takes the roguelike out of it and turns it into a regular game. Hmm. But again, it's about it's about creating that balance um, between a game that is fair and justified 
for every death that you have, but also challenging and you have that feel, that sense of progression. Yeah, and I've been trying to get more into like roguelike games. Um, like I still need to pick up the Chuckable Mystery Dungeon. Um, I play uh the Pokemon one. Uh, I think it's Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or something like that. Like or Pikachu's Mystery. That Dungeon. sounds right. Yeah, like one of those. Like, and I enjoy them. I'm like, but I need to learn more rogues. And I think for me, like handheld rogue games. It's probably not the right way to do it, but if I do maybe console or later on in life, who knows, PC, I would get better understanding on how a rogue like works. Um, mm-hmm. I understand the mechanics in this level design because people would just be, I think people feel like uh, Dead Cells is their first rogue like game of all oh, okay. time. And it's just like, well, I could see that, but there's like, there's literally more. There's been games like that, but. This game is popular because right. it's something that, you know, PC players, they got their hands on it and they know how the mechanics work. But because this game, and I this may be me, I think because the game came to Nintendo Switch and people were willing to buy this game on Switch and happy that it came to Switch, they got to experience what a roguelike style game is. So now... That being the first, they could go to other platforms and go even to good, maybe even good old games or Steam and find some old roguelike games and get an understanding on why this genre is now becoming popular and why it's kind of infused in a lot of games nowadays. Yeah, it's a lot of replay value, right? Um, We talked about this again, uh, not to keep talking about the stream, but (laughs) um, when I was streaming, we were talking about... um, how uh, the games nowadays, especially like RPGs or even some of these action adventure games, like the the term gets thrown around. It's like, oh, the game doesn't even start until you're about 20 hours in. Like, man, I do not have 20 hours to dedicate to this one particular game, especially if it's not any good until I'm already 20 hours in. Like, yeah. why? I mean, these games are expensive, and a lot of the times when these games are released, they're broken beyond belief, and you have to wait for patches and updates and, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, why would any sensible human being sit down and think, okay, I just have to put 20 hours of my life into this, and then this game is going to be very rewarding? And I think with when it comes to roguelikes, you get, like, that real quick... Uh, that real kick shot of adrenaline because you, you know, the, the game moves quickly. Um, mm-hmm. they are difficult. Um, they're designed in such a way that, um, you can restart very quickly. Um, and you get some of that too in platformers like uh, super meat boy or limbo, like those games, like they, the second you die or something goes south, you touch a button and you are instantly back in. There's no loading screens. There's nothing. There's no wait time. And maybe that's just a, a call to like today's society. And it's, I think it may be a, a thing, too, of just the technology and how it's gotten better and better. You know, if you go back and you sit through a load screen of an original PlayStation 1 game, like, it is excruciating. Like, it's, it's some of these are up to five to seven minutes of load times just waiting for the game to start. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but the genre is designed in such a way to kind of appease to everybody. And then what you're looking for is that particular flavor. You know what I mean? Like you're looking for the platformer action game like Dead Cells or you're looking for uh, Slay the Spire where it's a card collecting game. Um, or I played a, a roguelike first person shooter 
um, can't remember what it's called. It was on Steam, and like that was a fun game, like because it it gave me the genre that I wanted, which was a first person shooter, but it was in this uh, encapsulated in this roguelike genre that gave me all the endorphin a, that I needed. It starts with a P, right? Uh, uh, I reviewed it forever ago because it came out on Xbox One. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, because everybody was talking about it. It came out, I think, like sometime like last month. I think. Okay, uh, I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to it'll I have to look it up. But yeah. I mean that when you know just talking about difficult games, the fact that you have permadeath in a game automatically associates itself with difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the pre the Fire Emblem games that. They were just like, if you do not plan your stuff out right and you die, that's it. You have to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. And we'll yep. make sure that you face the consequences because we'll automatically save your game. Right. So it's, I don't know, roguelike is a, it's a, it's an interesting genre to look into. Yes. Um, now, of course, everybody know I have a heart for treasure. I, uh, treasure games i did an episode of that in uh, a couple of months ago and i always talk about ikaruga and i was talking about this in the last uh um episode of of the project and the level design of ikaruga is crushing but it's crushing in a good way that it's just like we want you to experience this game with two players but if you can't make it through being as a one player, then you're going to really enjoy what we throw at you. We're mm-hmm. try we give you some simple mechanics, but you the one as the player has to figure out how to get through. Because there's like the fourth level in Igaruga is that you fly and then you kinda stop. And you're in when this one little kind of sphere thing where all of these enemies are coming. Now, because of the uh, the board is like cut off vertically um, for it, you can't see where the ships are coming. Not only do you have to deal with the ships that are coming, the inside of the little sphere thing, the sides are closing. On top of that closing, you have black and white beans coming at you, and you need to switch. So you got multiple things coming at you. And guess what? You don't have no continues if you are uh, if you're not a good player. Mm-hmm. And you have to work. And this is gonna console version. You have to work to get infinite uh, continues. If not. If you as long as you play, we'll give you some. But by the time you get to the fourth level, you have no continues, and yep. you have to get through all the stuff that we are throwing at you. You you can't do it, but we have to throw it at you. And the, and the thing with treasure games is that you know they throw all of this stuff at you because their games are designed to be sh- a shorter experience, but they're long because you're not it's so difficult. You're they're difficult, but you're working yeah. through the progression of what they throw you. So they want you to pay attention and learn. You know they're not patting you on the back or they're holding your hand. You have to work to get through our levels. Yeah, it's um, it's the whole uh, get good argument, I guess. Yeah. Um, because games like that, uh, when they, when they come out on front street and they, it's very blatant as to what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Like when you beat a game like that, it's become a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Um, 
it's it's better than a Steam achievement. It's better than um, being able to go to your friends and say, oh, yeah, I beat that. And it's like, what? You know, like you're testing not only, you know, just um, um, a hand and um, sight coordination, but like memorization and um, reflexes and anticipation. Like a lot of that stuff is you don't really see in too many games. Like a lot of games you can pretty much just kind of sit back and go with the flow. And like it's it's on a very certain kind of pace that you can kind of just tread along with. But yes. games like that, like it's it's designed to be hair-raising. Yes. Now, uh, before we get to the last part of level design, do you have any like level designs that they're just so crushing that you hate? but you appreciate or you feel relief every time you beat them or you got it so down packing your mind that you could just beat it with ease. Oh, so man, I'm, I'm a terrible gamer. I'm just very <laughs> bad at games. So like, if no, I feel like a game good. is running too hard, at games. Ooh, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I haven't um, watched your skills. You got some great skills. I'll say, I'll say one of the games that, um, I was happy to put in as much time as I did was definitely super meat boy mm, some yes. of those levels um that you play through especially when you go through like the warp zones and stuff um they're designed to be challenging they're not the game's difficult to begin with but like the the, the more challenging challenging levels are set off away from the main story so you're not forced to play them the developer um doesn't require you to go through these levels to get like any kind of like truer ending or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, um, that really hits home for me because I feel like those aspects of games, you do have a player base that's looking for that, but it's not for everybody. So you shouldn't gatekeep, um, the end of your game behind something like that. Um, but yeah, there are some of those later levels uh, in super meat boy that when I finally, when I finally beat it, it was just like, I'm done. Controller's down. I'm stepping away from the TV. Like, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to look at birds and shit. Like, I'm going to relax <laughs> and kind of just, you know, quaff and what I just did. Uh, one of mine is uh, Double Dragon to the Revenge for Super Ni- for the Nintendo. Yep. And the reason why I go into the console version is, is because there is a level, and I think it's the third or fourth level. Where you have to jump on some logs. Oh, God. Yeah, in the forest? Yes. Now, you have to match your shadow up. If you don't and you fall into the lake, you lose lose life, uh, life or you lose energy. And there's another level where you have to jump on some uh, mechanical wheels. Oh, yeah. There's one part where when you jump, you kind of have to quickly... Uh, turn to try to make your character turn backwards mm-hmm. so he could land right, and it was just like when I beat all of Double Dragon to the Revenge, and you can see this as a cheat, but I actually stopped trying to do it to see how far I could get. Um, I did do a two player where if you once you beat uh once you beat the other player, you get like seven lives. Oh yeah, you get other lives. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. I can understand. That could be a cheat, but I have played it also without doing that, and I was able to get through the game because I played it many times. But it was just like, when you have a game where you have to rely on your shadow after jumps, and you do not line it up, it's frustrating, especially when you don't have good checkpoints. 
in everything. But like Double Dragon Two, like I love the level design in it. Um, it's it's so crushing at times because of that force and that mechanical will. But it's just like when you get it, when you make get it through. Uh, you just really love it. Like the helicopter scene. Like, y- your goal is to make sure that you get to the other side so you can kick the enemies out. Yeah. That Bobo that came out at the end, I was just yep. like, okay, he's going to uh, jump down. Let me try to kick him. And once you kick him, he'll fall out. Also with Double Dragon 2, they changed the button layout. So oh, yeah. If, so, so, so interesting, this yes. control scheme. So... If you're pressing the B button, I think you're punching. Uh, if you're facing right, if you're mm-hmm. pressing the B button, you're punching. And your A button is your kick, which makes you kick backwards. But if you switch it, your B button becomes your kick and your A button becomes your punch. Yep. It is so weird. So yeah. the controls even get messed up with it. Uh, so... And that's something you have to relearn. Like, you have to relearn how to play that game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I I mentioned um, not Space. Well, I've been mentioning Space Harrier. I've been wanting a remake of that. Um, but I've just seen that the arcade version is coming to uh, the arcade classics, like the Switch and PlayStation oh, yeah. and Xbox. The arcade Hamster, version is coming. Those. Yeah, and hopefully it's infinite continues because I could never beat that game on Sega yeah. Master System. Um, it was always hard trying to figure out the perspective of where the uh, the stuff is at, and if you like hit a building or anything, you be you'll jump up, you'll stop, you'll get up and lose life. Um, but yeah. if you like hit a tree or something, it's just like or a bush, you like stumble. Kind of blank through it, yeah, yeah, and you didn't get. Space Harrier has the color coding to let you know that you're getting you're beating the boss, uh, but it had that weird sound effect when you're hitting with your gun. It was just like, uh, this doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> um, another one, Zaxxon 3D. Uh, the reason I beat Zaxxon, I say Zaxxon 3D. I beat the game without having the 3D glasses. Uh, oh, weird. Second, yeah. I was How able hard to, was that? I, that, it was a try. Man, <laughs> oh, I couldn't I was, even imagine. I was able to beat that game on uh, the Master System without the 3D glasses. Yeah. Um, and then, wow. and also Gangsta Town, I was able to beat, but I had to shoot my Zapper upside down um, with it. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> it's just it's, like some trick you learned? Or? Yeah. What happened was the light, something upwards. Something, some one of the uh, chips in the gun wasn't shooting it. But when oh, we turned it yeah. upside down, I, yeah. it, it kind of resulted that it was working. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, that last, is weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last but not least, uh, Kid Nikki. So, in yep. this game, I was, I loved this game at the arcade. I could never get to the second level. I always died. Uh, but when I got to, when I got the NES version, I was like, "Yeah, I'm making progress." And then I got it to Ice Level, and everybody who played Ice Levels, nobody hate Ice. Nobody, levels. nobody likes Ice Levels. The level designs in Ice Levels are horrendous. Why? <sighs> because you slip everywhere. After oh man, it's the worst. Yes, 
Mega Man was my intro to that. And as much as I love Iceman, you try sliding with the repeating blocks, trying to land on them, and yeah. you for the la- next five to seven minutes have to hear that boot, boot oh, man. over just and use, over. Again. Just use Weapon 2 and get done with it. <laughs> but it wasn't a Weapon 2. Well, you couldn't get Weapon 2. Uh, well, you could if you did the right you way. Had to go, um, yeah, you had to go a hard way about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't have the shift to do this. Nah. Nope. <laughs> Not today, Satan. So <laughs> uh nice. but yeah, that was kind of like our like our talk in level design. And I think we there are some great levels uh that are so crushing that like that, that make you want to throw your controller, but you respect that you get through. And I think a lot of modern players don't recognize that, do even though we're talking about some older systems and how games were sure. designed. Which everybody's brings, got their roots, man. Yes, which brings us into enemy design. There are some enemies that we hate, but we love. We mentioned the eagle for Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. As much as we hate it, it it's, it's like, iconic. It, it's sure. iconic because we yeah. hate it so much and everything. But are there any kind of, like, what are your thoughts on enemy design? Like, is there a character that you just love, even though they're hard to fight? Or, you know, their purpose of being evil is, like, really good and you understand it? What is, like, what is your thoughts on enemy design? So, um, I think enemy design kind of falls in the same idea with, like, level design and making games difficult. It's either there are games out there that make cheap enemies just to make it, make the game difficult. Um, and a lot of the time those, they're just unjustifiably difficult. Um, thinking of just difficult enemies always brings me back to RPG games. Mm-hmm. Um, Final Fantasy two or four in particular, that was like, I'm under the assumption that Final Fantasy falls in that category of whatever Final Fantasy was the first one that you played will always be your favorite. Yes. Like I just, from my heart of hearts, I feel like that falls in there. Final Fantasy four is that game for me. And I, when I was playing it as a kid, it was nobody had health meters. So you're desperately trying to hold on and you're like, okay, I'm, this guy's got to be almost dead. Right. And you swipe and you, sh- and you shoot or you do whatever you take your turn and then they take their turn again. And you're like, come on, like you gotta be done. And then you finally, you knock them. And then the, the, um, the the sprite starts changing. You're like, oh, thank you, God, I got him. And they just transform into their second form. <laughs> like, well, this is it. I'm done. I can't. I can't keep going. I could. I can't believe I made it this far. There's no way it can be the second form. You know. Right. Um, and I feel like, especially, I mean, again, especially with Final Fantasy IV, it seemed like every boss had like five different forms, and I had no idea like what anime was or just you know Japanese games in general. So I had, wasn't knowledgeable about like this these are just kind of social norms for them these are staples and they're and when they make games and stuff so it was just so nerve-wracking um or the fact that there was times where you couldn't attack enemies because it didn't do anything like there's a mist there's a drag there's a a a mist dragon i don't remember what the name of it was it's like the second boss you fight in the game yeah and when it goes into its mist form you can't attack it i didn't know that so it's like I'm hammering away, and I'm like, I can't believe this guy's not going down. And then he goes back into his dragon form, and I end up killing him. I was like, oh, well, that was just an, an impossibly hard boss, whereas in reality, I just didn't know you couldn't attack it in its mist form, you know? So 
that whole game to me is just there, there's a lot of anger and frustration in that game that I come back year after year to play again. It's it's funny that you mentioned Final Fantasy the first one that you played because Final Fantasy three slash six I still consider that's Final Fantasy three. Yeah. Um, I got halfway through that game. And I was a big RPG nut. I'm still in today. I got halfway through that game and couldn't get through it. But it was just like, I love the fact that I'm fighting a ghost train and I get to suplex it. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, none (laughs) of this. It's ridiculous. It's bonkers. Nothing. Right. It's just, it's weird. But it was just like, I love pouring the time into these fights and, and seeing everything. And it was just like, Wow, like I never, I would never think that in later games in RPGs that you're fighting carrots or fighting bunnies, uh, that you're killing zombies. Um, mm-hmm. Like even if you look at Earthbound or even Undertale, you use different methods to get rid of enemies, or even some enemies will run away from you. Like you're fighting a cheeseburger and stuff, and it's just like this is insane. That's like ridiculous. this is crazy. Like this is yeah. crazy. And you would just never think about that, but you do appreciate what they, what they give. Like now, and 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 like villains, like uh, Devil May Cry with Dante and uh, his brother. You know, um, their rivalry is so good, and you you kind of want to be like you're only doing the brother's only doing this out of spite or if his brother because he didn't get the sword that his dad gave that his dad gave. You know, it's kind of almost like Inuyasha, in a sense. Yep. You know, it, it's that rivalry between them because Inuyasha's brother wants his sword. And the dad didn't make that sword. He knew that if he gave this sword to his brother, chaos and destruction will reign upon the earth. So, you know, it, it's it, I, I think I love that kind of mentality and like in enemy designs and stuff that when it's kind of not religious, but when it kind of deals with demons and stuff, there yeah. is something about it that there's a humanity, there's a good in, and you kind of right. like end up liking them. Um, it's a clear line. Yes. And yeah. Even even if you look at uh, King Cooper slash Bowser, like he is very generic, but he is like the representation of enemy design and having uh, a cliche plot but kind of like something you understand it's his purpose to get uh kidnap uh princess peach um uh or princess toaster whatever you want to consider her. kidnap kidnaps her bring her to her castle make a level to stop mario for him never to be her for for her never to be rescued so um that he can have the princess fall in love with him force force her to love uh, love him and you know it's not supposed to be that but then you see him with all of his seven kids or seven Koopalings you see him in side games just designing other crazy stuff and it's just like wow the simple premise of King Bowser has just evolved into yeah, exploded into different things yeah. and stuff so For sure. you know but you then you got like ninja you got you even got castlevania in a sense or i've mentioned i mentioned in last episode the iconic of mother brain with super metroid on how you know you're fighting you fight a mother brain and you just like 
wow, like that was a good fight. What in the world is that turning yeah. into? Why it's terrifying, I... man. It's the yeah. stuff of nightmares. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. oh, she's about to destroy me, and then you get something happens and stuff. And it was just like every boss battle that you do, well, majority of the boss battles that you do in Super Metroid are just like historic in a mm-hmm. sense, you know. But yeah, it's you know it's the same as graduating and growing up. It's, I mean, my wife gets on me all the time because I can't remember birth dates or people's names or stuff like that but i mean i can tell you what the blood code is in mortal Kombat for the <laughs> sega genesis or i could tell you what the uh, nintendo helpline is and that they were charged in 25 cents a minute you know right. back in 94 you know like it's it, it's just for whatever reason like when it comes to video games in general like a lot of my life can be like broken down to like certain game releases or I can play a game and I can remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, what state of mind I was in when I first played that game. And it's Mm -hmm. because I've made that emotional connection with it where, you know, a lot of the time I can't talk to just people on the street, you know, but I've got this thing that I can plug in and I know I can always feel that way. Remember how that way feels when I play this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the easiest enemies I have ever defeated is not even the Goomba. It's the heart from Contra. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because, like, once you get rid of the spiders and stuff, you just shoot the heart. Yeah, it's over. Yep. Right. Because, like, everything else you you are struggling to get through. Like, if you lose the machine gun or spray gun and you don't care for the laser or or the fire gun, you're going to get your tail whipped. Yep. Uh, especially the part where uh, it's, the, it's the fifth level, it's the snow level, and it, the little uh, truck comes with the spikes. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. don't have the right weapon, you have to stand in the back and press B f- as fast as you can, and hopefully that by the time it starts moving, the color has changed to red, and by the time it's about to hit you, you hit it and it destroys itself. I have yeah. done that multiple times. <laughs> Trust oh, yeah. me. Oh yeah. But, but it was just like the the enemies in Contra. I just like I definitely loved and stuff. Um, and some people would probably say Castlevania Symphony of the Night got some good feelings in it too. Enemy design. But uh, I hate Medusa. I hate Medusa <laughs> and those flying heads. Just hate it all and stuff. Oh um, yeah. But are there like any kind of enemy designs from any of your favorite games? Oh, oh, jeez, man. Um, I'll say um, Zelda Two when you come to fight that first um, Staphos, mm-hmm. and you realize that when you standing and crouching changes the way that your shield blocks. Yes, like when I figured that out. Like, I, I, I could see the code behind the game. You know what I mean? Because I was just like, I, th- this, these are advanced combat mechanics that I'm learning that, you know, you there is no tutorial for something like that. So um, that game has a lot of, like, what I get when I play, like, Dark Souls or, um, uh, well, more specifically, Bloodborne, mm-hmm. where it's like you take your time, you watch, you see what they're doing. You try to react, you know, you poke and prod at the problem. It's super interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones is The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Everybody should know where I'm going with this one. You take the princess to the right, to the room oh, to yeah. get to the light. And it's yep. just like, Blind. Yep. ah, wait, what? <laughs> and you think that, oh, you're trying to take her out to the, out to the thing, but you can't. She disappears. She yeah. goes back and you have to take her to the light. You have to figure out where it goes Damn. and stuff. And it's just that like, so good. A puzzle within a puzzle of a game. Yeah. And then she was a difficult boss battle, too. A spinning head. What boss battle in The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past wasn't difficult? That's true, yeah. It's very true. <laughs> it's just like, ugh, I'm trying to get through this game. Um, now, another one uh, that I appreciate, that I love, uh, is the little mummy things in Ocarina of Time. Where if they see you, you get froze. Oh yeah, the redeads. Yes, on yep. top of you got that hand that grabs you and takes you out. Or if anyone who plays the regular Legend of Zelda, if you got the big shield, and I always thought the little enemy was pancakes, and if you get eaten by the pancake little enemy, then your shield would go with get yep. eaten. I'm just like, ah, oh, this is so good. But pancakes, I, that's funny. I, he let, dude, but then, doesn't it look like pancakes? I'm like, so you there's can't a, I don't know if you go on Reddit at all, but um, they have like a whole forum of uh misunderstood sprites mm-hmm. where people will post the sprite and be like i always thought it looked like this and then somebody would redraw it to whatever they thought it looked like like yeah. there's been multiple times on there where i've been like yeah i totally thought that too like i didn't think anything of it i thought it was just a just a goofy headdress or it was like no that's the dude's face like how is that the, how was i supposed to see that <laughs> yeah um for some of the modern players i will say uh i got i just got done doing wolfenstein too Oh, okay. Uh, so fighting the Nazis, the Nazis in there were fun and were cool. But I think it's just like, oh, I, there are some clan members that want to attack me. Kill the clan members. Mafia mm-hmm. 3. Oh, y'all got a clan level. Killing the clan. Red, uh, Red, Dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Got mm-hmm. a clan meeting. I threw a bomb and blew everybody up. And it's, I think it's like when you're fighting racists and Nazis and stuff like that in games. feels good. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels all right. It feels okay. Yeah. Yep. Well deserved. Even though, That's right. Even though it's, you shouldn't feel that way. It's just like, mm, you shouldn't, just... you shouldn't have the urge to kill anybody regardless. Right. But, but in a video game, yeah, you know, it's all right. Yes. Uh, well, especially in Saints Row the third, where you just get infinite energy uh, infinite bullets, you could just cause as much destruction and nothing can hurt you. Those games are crazy. I just re, I just finished it again on uh, Xbox One because uh, I was just like, oh, this game is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some enemies that you just like hate? <laughs> that you like literally the like you literally despise. Like they are so unfair. Like it takes you twenty hits to hit them, but they get one hit off of you and that you dead. Yeah, man, there's um there's quite a few like Mario enemies I can't stand, like the spinies. Um the things that any enemy that goes against uh, what you've been doing the entire game, mm-hmm. I hate those enemies. So Can like I... the spinies, you can't step on them. Yes. That's all, that's all you do in Mario games. Um Go ahead. What were you going to say? I say everything in Friday the 13th, the video game. 
Oh man, that game is just the weapons alone in that game is what breaks it. I mean, it's if you could fix the weapons, I feel like the game would be a little bit more tolerable. Who throws a rock like that? <laughs> Why is oh, it man, going? nobody. When not you're... in that short of a distance, anyway. You're not going to get that kind of arc. And you are automatically hit if you're in the boat rowing, and Jason comes through. Yeah, like you lose energy. And or be... oh, go ahead. I was going to say, or, you know, when you fight Jason, it's Mike Tyson's punch out. And it's yes. like, what are we, you're not going to go toe to toe with this guy. Yeah. And it's so weird that when you're going right in the game, on the actual map, you're going left and vice versa. It's crazy. It's that like, game is just all kinds of bad. That end, uh, I did not like a Back to the Future neither. Uh, no, none of those games were good either. Like even the the second and third one, those yeah. games were awful too. I mean, I could tolerate. Uh, and this was LGN, everybody. I could right. t- I could tolerate um, a Nightmare on M Street. That was a better. As that a was game. okay, yeah. But everything else that LGN put in, I'm like, this is questionable content. I can't say. Yeah, I can't say yep. the other word. But this is some questionable content to the fullest. Um, and did anyone else? Just um, trying to think. Yeah, nothing coming to mind. It's just there's I, I, there I, are just those those just those enemies. Um, oh, well, you mentioned um, um, Super Metroid. Yeah. Um, it's like towards the end when you're fighting the space pirates that have the armor on, and you can only attack them when they go gold. Yes. Like when they go with the jump kick. I'm assuming there's probably some special way to get them to jump kick at you. But anytime I play through special uh, through Super Metroid, mm-hmm. it's always a good 20 minutes of me just like, come on, man. Like, I can't keep going. Like, you got to Will you just please kick me so I can kill you? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my is, and I was just thinking about this. Oh, goodness. And I can't believe I'm breaking this game up. Uh, one of my is Splatterhouse. Okay. Uh, there are some enemies because of you, because of you having to kick sometimes, and you have to sometimes drop kick them in the air. The drop kicking and the jumping don't match because the mm-hmm. the the height of your jump and where the enemy is at don't match, so you're losing life and stuff. And it was just like, what is the point of this game? Splatterhouse right. was just hard all around. Yeah, that was a that's a tough beat em up. I mean it, yes, everybody like I said, I own the TurboGrafx sixteen. I love Bunks Adventure. Uh love Dungeon Explorer on there, but like Splatterhouse, I just Ninja Spirit. It's a, actually the game is out also, the arcade version is out, but they brought that to Turbo Graphics and there is a level that you just it feels like you cannot get through. Um, because you have to use a grappling hook to hit enemies, mm. and your grappling hook don't always land when you attack. Classic. And I was just like, just... come on now. Yeah. Uh, I know that Bruce Lee looking one where the mucks is coming, where the sprites are super big. I know I heard that one was bad, and people didn't like that one. I'm like, ugh, cannot think. Uh, Turbo Graphics was a system to have to explore. I know, right? So, um, any other games 
or anything or i know you have some notes so is there anything on your notes that we didn't touch or you would like to touch upon no man we blew through pretty much everything so it was um it's good okay all right well everybody um i'm gonna let you plug eric what would you like to plug go right ahead oh okay um so everything i do is on my website uh ericmhunter.net uh, I do lots of things, so just come. There's probably something to enjoy there for you. Uh, I'm all over Twitter and Twitch um, most days, so you can hit me up there if you want to chit and chat. Um, other than that, just staying busy. Yes, and can you tell us about your newsletter? Oh, yeah, so the newsletter. Um, so that's something new that I've been doing. Um, basically, the newsletter is a combination of things. It's all of the stuff that I've been doing for the week. Uh, videos, podcasts, all that stuff, and then just things that I found out and about on the internet that I like. Uh, that could be, you know, different YouTube videos or um, this. The first one I did was a uh, this artist that I happened to find, um, and I just posted one of her songs, a link to one of her songs on her YouTube page. Um, but it's kind of just like a catch-all, just so you can stay up to date. It's free. Uh, you can sign up on my website, ericamhunter.net. Uh, there's a link on the left-hand side for the newsletter. Um, yeah, free to subscribe, all that stuff. So, yes, I, I have to go and subscribe. I seen it. And I'm like, oh, I gotta go subscribe. Of course. Yeah. When you when you said, it, I'm just like, I must do that when I get home automatically. <laughs> so, all right. You you will have one official reader. Well, thanks, uh, man. So, well, thank you, Eric, for coming on for having this discussion. Uh, you make it a part two because I kind of want to do a discussion about 80s and 90s villains. Uh, oh, okay. And talking about cartoons, films, and stuff like that. So you you might get a call back if uh, <laughs> if if things come about, I should say. Sure. <laughs> You'd be like, wait, I thought you guys will see. So, uh, but yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You guys can also check out Option Opinion on iTunes. Um, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, all of that podcast app stuff. You guys can find it there. Um, you can also uh, read more of um, The Beauty of Video Games Volume 5 on codenameindex.com. Like I said, it is three weeks. So hopefully you guys are checking out the content and you are enjoying what is being what was wrote. And that you guys love everything that I have to say about it. Once again, thank you, Eric, for coming on. Um, And everybody, we will see you next time on Optional Opinion. Bye, everybody.